Welcome back to Cross Politic and the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Reformation Heritage Books is a publisher and bookseller whose mission is to equip the saints to serve Christ and his church through biblical, experiential, and practical resources. RHB's reading material is God-glorifying in accord with scriptures and, and historic Reformed creeds for the promotion and defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each book they publish or sell, whether from the Puritans or modern-day authors, subscribes to the Three Forms of Unity, the Belgic Confession, the Heidelberg Catechism, and the Canons of Dort, and the Westminster Standards. Find out more at heritagebooks.org. We are very grateful to have with us on the line right now, Mr. Paul Vaughn, the father of 11, doesn't look old enough to be a grandfather to six, <laughs> husband to one. Uh, he is longtime pro-life advocate, former pastor, and currently operates a small regional ISP providing fiber internet service to five counties in western middle Tennessee, where yeah. we just were. Yeah. yeah. President of Personhood Tennessee, board member with the Personhood Alliance, and he teaches sidewalk counseling training classes and talks publicly on a variety of relevant religious and cultural topics. Uh, along uh, with Paul, we have his attorney, Steve Crampton, from Watch the yourself. Thomas More Society. Uh, Paul, thank you for joining us. Steve, thank you for joining us. Glad to be here, guys. Good to be with you. So, um, Paul, um, we, right before we started recording, we were like, hey, haven't you been at our conference recently? And you said, yeah, you, you've been at the last two conferences, only you were a bit tied up. Um, this <laughs> last week, um, apparently what, what in the world is the FBI doing at your house? Uh, apparently they got nothing better to do. They, uh, they want to go after people to carry Bibles and not bricks and, uh, bricks are okay. So they apparently are a little bit slow right now. So, uh, <laughs> they, uh, listen, they, they brought me in as part of a rescue, uh, case that was done back in March of 21. And uh, I did not rescue, was not arrested at that time, but they arbitrarily on the second or third, whenever they got together, decided that uh, they wanted to come after me and make me part of the case, make me a uh, party to, uh, to the trial. Wait, so you were, there was a rescue that occurred, but you're saying you actually didn't participate in it? I was there on site. I was not arrested uh, on that day. Okay. And as a matter of fact, I was, I was pretty much the lead negotiator uh, with the police uh, they're keeping peace and uh, going back and forth between the police officers and the uh, rescuers. And so when you say rescuers, I don't think this is – not everyone understands. It, usually what happens, or in this case what happened, it seems like a, a number of your um, people who are part of this rescue would um, stood in front of the door and sang hymns and wouldn't let um, the patients go into Planned Parenthood. What, what, describe that rescue, what that actually means. You know, I forget you guys are young, you know, back in the back in the eighties and the nineties, this yep. was a big deal, right? Yes, sir. Um now listen, there were seventy seven some thousand Christians arrested at abortion mills across this nation in the eighties and nineties, uh, up until the FACE Act uh, came into being in the Clinton regime. Um, they used that to make it a federal offense. And so it went from being normal protest activity, civic disobedience like Martin Luther King Jr. and such, to an actual felony. Uh, in in that time period. And so a rescue is simply this. It is nothing more than Christians acting like Christ as he interposed on the cross for us and put us between, put himself between us and the enemy of our souls. Christians simply go to the abortion clinic, sit down at the door and say, hey, if there's a, if someone is trying to kill an unborn child, we're willing to lay down our freedoms. We're willing to sit down at this door and risk going to jail. And in some cases, very long time, uh, for the sake of that 
child created in the image of God. That, that is simply in Christian terms what a rescue is. And so in this case, you weren't one of the ones sitting there. There was, you know, maybe I think I saw the video. There's maybe like eight or nine or maybe 10 people sitting in the door in the hallway. Um, you were kind of standing back and filming it. Is that what was going on? I, no, I did not film. I, I literally was standing back. We were singing, you know, we we're reading scripture. We were interacting with uh, the police officer. Mostly is what I did from the from the very get go. We went in the morning. The police came to give the warning, and uh, so I went to discuss with them, kind of figure out what their plans were. Let them know this was not a violent group. That there wasn't any need to escalate anything. That that some people might go to jail, but they would go peacefully and just. Just try to keep peace in the environment there because those, those things, you know, you get out an event, personalities and pride and things come in and they can, they can escalate real quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and so I, I was just trying to be a, a good minister and just keep peace. So I want to get to how the FBI got into this, but yeah. I got to know how no, you said the FACE Act, F-A-C-E? Correct. So, Steve, can you help me figure out how we got the FACE Act, especially with this strong Republican um, leadership that we have? It was under Bill Clinton. Yeah, it was passed in 1994 under Bill Clinton, Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act. And it was a response to the rescues that Paul talks about. You may recall, too, in that time period, there were some acts of violence, actual uh, bombings, and people would uh, chain themselves to the doors, that kind of thing. You know, they had uh, burned out cars that they would bring and sort of block. It was a, a more involved deal than just a simple sit-in at the time. But that was a Republican majority Congress. Yeah. No, no, not then. Not I think, then? I think because Bill Clinton, that was 94. I think the majority Congress came in like 96. Was that correct? I think that's right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're New Gingrich there. and company. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And, and so how come that we haven't looked at this act and, and said, hey, maybe we should kind of get rid of this and then just allow the local police to handle the situation? Why, why hasn't that happened, Steve? Amen. Listen, it ought to happen. It should have happened years ago, as you said. Since the passage of that act, there haven't been acts of violence at the clinics, almost without exception. What does happen is what Paul described there. It's no different than the old sit-ins from the civil rights days, right? Hmm. Moreover, the reason that they enacted FACE and could get it passed in the first place is because of the illusion of the constitutional right to abortion. Well, guess what, guys? That's gone. That illusion has now eviscerated, Mm. right, since Dobbs. There is no reason we think the whole constitutionality of that act is suspect. So it ought to be gone. So where, what is the deal with the FBI showing up? At, they they come to your house, Paul. Yeah. So I mean, you know, average uh, Wednesday morning, four of my kids are going to school. I normally take them to school on the way to to work and uh, drop them off. I had already sent them out to the car important business meeting. I was putting an extra polish on my shirt, you know, getting ready to go and about to head out to them. And I heard the banging on the windows on the porch rattling the house. And I, I thought for sure it said FBI open up, but my, my state of mind and my location, everything about my circumstances screamed, that can't be what he said. You know, I live on a farm. I thought the animals were out again or, or, you know, something, something wrong. The animals were out. (laughs) What's that? The animals were out. (laughs) So I I started heading that way. And as I'm looking out the window to my car, I don't see my kids. I see 
an unmarked car with flashing lights and about the time another banging on the door this time uh and fbi open up go to the door i pull back the curtain and i see guns pointed at me guy guy up front next to the door has a automatic you know ar-15 cross the crosses uh chest and uh triggered you know ready to go and the guy with the pistol and inside arm in the back was drawn down on the door that's wicked and, uh, and I said, what, who are you looking for? And they say, we're looking for you. And, uh, and you know, there's a thousand decisions in that split second. They went through my mind with my kids outside, kids in the house upstairs, my wife in the back with our 18 month old baby. And I just said, you know, the only, this is not going to end well unless I'm in handcuffs. So I opened the door and stepped outside as I asked for identification. And of course they responded, this is the identification you get the little FBI Velcro patch. Well, oh, you can get those at Walmart. <laughs> yeah, I know. Online, eBay, I could buy them today. Um, and, and my wife brings that out to them later uh, and, in, a, in a good fashion. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I, I go in handcuffs, go to the car, you know, and uh, about that time, my wife, of course, by all the banging and screaming and everything, kids coming in her room, mommy, the FBI's here and they're arresting daddy. That's something you don't want your daughter <sighs> to have to say at the time. Right. Um, hey. And, you know, they, they take me to the car. I didn't know at this time my, the guy with the AR on the side of the house was actually detaining my children in the driveway on the side of the house. Would what? Not go back to the house. So, so my 18-year-old, my uh, 14-year-old, and my uh, 12-year-old <laughs> were detained by a guy with an automatic weapon in my yard and not, not allowed to go to the house until I was, you know, detained and in the car. Wow. Paul, Paul or Steve um- – this is actually a question for both of you because I, 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 I it, this is my impression is, is that because Roe v. Wade got overturned, and the Democrat Party are this is their the sacrament, uh, they are going hard and trying to find any way to uh, attack the pro life movement. So they the FBI arrested that guy in Pennsylvania, another, the, another pro life, the Roman Catholic guy, yeah, the Roman Catholic guy in Pennsylvania, Mark Halk. Yeah, yeah, right. And and now they're coming after you know Paul and, and his crew. It, it seems like they're kind of desperate, and and the the, the FBI is being weaponized by the Biden administration to grab at anything they can to fight against the pro life movement. Well, may I say that's exactly right as we see it. This didn't uh, occur on just a random date. Remember that the events that Paul described took place in March of 2021, mm-hmm. over a year and a half previously. The uh, indictment was released on August 3rd, the 100th day since the decision in the Dobbs case that overturned Roe. Mm-hmm. Biden mm-hmm. and Harris both were meeting in the White House with their so-called Reproductive Rights Task Force. So this is all a concerted effort, really wow. a theatrical rollout, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's extraordinary. And the other thing that they're doing here, let me throw in. Under the Obama administration, we saw some isolated cases uh, where they would bring a face charge against pro-lifers. By the way, I think we won every one of those during the Obama administration. They never did what the Biden regime has done here, and that is take the – it's really a misdemeanor with a charge for first offense face violation of up to a year in prison plus up to $10,000 in a fine. But here they tacked on a second count – and they're alleging conspiracy to violate civil rights, carrying 10 years and another $250,000 in fines. So conspiracy to commit a sit-in. I'm and sorry. by the way, this is, 
This is the anniversary week of Martin Luther King Jr. receiving the Nobel Peace Prize right. for his sit-ins right. in 1964. Wow. wow. Did you say How about that? violate civil rights when the people yes. right behind those folks are killing humans who should have yes. rights? That's right. That's right. This is yes. insanity. I got to know, is there any recourse? If you got a law, if you got this face law, what they have there, it seems like the law technically is on their side. This, we know this is wrong. We know this is wicked. But what's the recourse? You have a, 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 a case to win this? Yeah, I, we really think we do. As I alluded to earlier, we're attacking the constitutionality of the FACE Act itself. There's a, a couple of different grounds there. We're also pursuing in Congress an effort to legislatively uh, overturn this law and rescind it. We'll see what the uh, midterm elections hold out for us there. But there are also factual dis defenses here. Paul, as he just described, and they have all the videos in hand, right? right? What did he do? He was nowhere near the door. He didn't block anybody. What face prohibits is physical obstruction or the use of force or threats of force. He didn't do any of those things. Right. So I don't think he violated face in the first instance. No. Okay. We usually go backstage at this point, but you know what? I don't think this needs to go backstage. Yeah. I think this needs to be as yeah. public as yeah. we can get it. Yeah. Everybody needs to share this as much as they can inside the app on Facebook, yeah. on YouTube. YouTube. We need yeah. to make yeah. this as wide and as broad as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to keep going for what we would normally go backstage. I don't think this needs to be private. Paul, um, did you have any heads up that the FBI gonna, might yeah. be coming to your house? No, not at all. Not, I'll say it this way. None in the natural. No phone calls, no leaks, no emails, none of that. In my spirit, when I, I told one of my children when Mark Hunt got arrested up in Pennsylvania, I said, with all the, the stuff we've done, this, you got to understand the, the spiritual aspect of this administration and the, the demonic influence, right? We, mm -hmm. we, we like to talk about the material world and the natural world, but we as Christians know there's a spiritual element to this right. and this is nothing else than the last gasp of a dying uh, mm. tyranny they're they're making every last effort to try to suppress christians mm. from being christians christians going out and showing the love of christ speaking the truth of christ singing hymns loving god and doing what christians are called to do mm. and demons hate that yeah. right and we know that we don't war against flesh and blood but that is certainly where the attack comes from right yeah. so there's hands and feet through this uh, spiritual battle. I, you guys, this is for both of you. You can help me out with this. I've been thinking about this a lot. When Martin Luther King was doing what he was doing, however you feel about Martin Luther King and the history of him, whatever the case is, one thing that was very clear was that there was a, a theological moral capital that was on his side. He had the moral yes. high ground. It was very obvious. Our culture has become very negative towards Christianity. The moral high ground is very, very low right now. There isn't a very strong moral culture. Even it's it's weird to say that though, during the time where people, black people couldn't vote, you had a very higher moral culture than what you currently do right now. <laughs> right. But now they're killing babies in the womb, which at that time they would have been like, hey, you can't kill black babies in the womb, which is so <laughs> weird. They're gonna say it's just weird. No, it's a weird place to be in. Now you have to be able now, to kill black now, babies. Now you have to be able to kill black babies <laughs> in the womb. But with that, with that moral Moral high ground being so low in the culture, um, I don't think that they would have heard Martin Luther King and his message now like they heard him then. Right. Martin Luther King wouldn't have had an anchor inside of the morality of the culture because it's so There's gone. There's no moral foundation. Right? And so yeah. I'm wondering, like, as you guys are going through this, you know. Paul, you can jump in here too. Uh, where do you think that we have any moral capital left in the culture to be able to hear 
through this case and say, wait a second, we're talking about human lives in the wombs of a mother. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think there, guys, American theology is, if it's a mile wide at best, it's no more than an inch deep. It is some of the most horrific theology in the history of the church. Wow. We are hedonists. We love our, our flesh. We love the desires of the world. And yeah, we want to go out and tell people, don't drink, don't smoke, don't cuss, but we don't want to act like Christians and actually sacrifice ourselves. Mm. And I'm, I'm telling you, there's a lot of call for, you know, people getting up in arms and people mad and wanting a revolution and want all this nonsense. And listen, unless you're willing to lay down your own life, you don't have the moral right to pick up weapons and go after someone else mm. or to try to start a revolution. The biblical way is to lay down your own life, trusting that God will use that seed to actually fulfill his purposes and advance his kingdom in the earth. And, and guys, the theology that America as at large, and I understand hey, there's a bunch of great Christians yeah. out there, a bunch of strong pastors doing great work that love the Lord. And I'm not knocking people that are, that are sincerely living in the water that they were born into. Right. Right. But there's something more that the church needs to actually be the salt and light. And I, I think Nash, you hit on it. We don't, that moral authority, we're, we speak and nobody listens. We're good for nothing. We're being trodden underfoot. And I think the way that comes back historically, if you look back at the historic church, it was the blood of the martyrs. It was, it was sanctification. Mm. When they start martyring and persecuting people, and our game says, you know, I believe this in light of the stripes, in light of the persecution, in light of the martyrdom, then the people look at that and they can argue. Every, if, you, if you look at historic church uh, martyrs, and you see this incredible persecution. You know what happened almost every time they were in front of a crowd being persecuted? Five, 10, 50, 100 people got saved yeah. because of their witness, because mm -hmm. of the violence that was being done against them. And they would not acquiesce to the calls of the tyrant. They said, no, there's a God, there is a heaven, and I believe it. Is there, hmm. uh, maybe this is a good question for Steve, but is there any recourse for, I mean, the FBI pulling up like a bunch of military thugs? With yeah. you know discipline, finger control on their on their AR, um, is there and and detaining your your eighteen year old and fourteen year old so forth? Is there yeah. any recourse for going after them and violating you know I don't know Fifth Amendment and not not uh, giving out their names and I mean it's just it's it's egregious how yeah. they even handle themselves. There there is. Um, if and when we get through the criminal proceedings, that's the time when we can commence our own civil rights actions back against some of these guys. Interesting. Once we vindicate Paul yeah. in the criminal court, we will revisit the civil court. And let me just dovetail on a little bit about your last question, too, if I may. Yeah, please. You talk about the moral high ground. I think the Biden regime believes they have the moral high ground here. Mm. That's why they publicize this. Yeah. They're making this the big issue for the midterm elections. And the That's other right. side of the FACE Act, by the way, actually, in order to get it passed, they had to insert this little afterthought that said, oh, yeah, and by the way, if you block entrances or bomb churches, we'll, we'll protect it under this act, too. Now, they never protect it, really. There are no cases uh, that protect churches. But remember what's happened in the last, like, 100 days or so since Dobbs. 83 different Catholic churches have been vandalized, uh, 73 right. pregnancy resource centers. Right. They had a firebombing, right, at the CPC in Rochester, New York. That's right. Guess how many arrests? Guess how many people are even investigating that? 
Zero. They're not doing a thing. They're not lifting a finger. Steve, so you're it's preaching. clearly one-sided here. That's yeah, right. I was gonna that's, add, that's that's that, mad. That, 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 I got two words for Biden. That God's gonna judge you so bad. <laughs> well, I can't make sense of that one. God's gonna judge you so I got, bad. I got two words. <laughs> Steve, you know that two words. Was, I was gonna, <laughs> Amen. He got the game. He got the game. Steve, I was gonna ask you if there was any form of discrimination that you can point to to say, hey. You're yeah. treating them different than you're treating us. And that's right go. there. Yeah, that's right there. That's good. Steve, when uh, we, we covered the, uh, I'm blanking on his name again, the Catholic guy in, in Pennsylvania that got arrested. By the Mark Houck. Mark Houck. Uh, when we, yeah. we, uh, we covered that on the show, and um, and on that, on that instance, it sounded like they actually got wind that the FBI was going to be coming, and they had, like, offered to actually go turn they it did. in. And and then they, yes, and they had heard no word on it. And then the FBI just raided the house. Um, I, I you know when we talked about that, one of the things that I thought about was man, when when um, when magistrates are abusing their authority uh, as Christians, our appeal is to be to lesser magistrates mm. to defend our rights, oh, like so your sheriff. And, and I and yeah. I mentioned like I wondered if like if I'd gotten a call that the FBI was coming after me, I keep telling them that I have um you know classified documents uh, in mm. my house. Yeah. They still haven't come to my house yet. But um, <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> get ready. But but it, but but, uh, but when if they uh, if I got wind of it, like one of my initial thoughts is I think I would call my sheriff. Um, mm. and, and not that the sheriff can necessarily like stop the proceedings, but in terms of like a raid, having so, like, yes. he's the person that's supposed to defend my that's civil rights. Stuff, right. I at least have the yeah. right to like be treated like a, a citizen of the United States of America and not treated like a thug. Yes. Well, innocent until proven guilty. And, Hello. And I, and I know you, Amen. I know you can't give legal counsel, but I mean, nevertheless, is, I mean, <laughs> is that crazy of me to think maybe I should call my sheriff if I got wind of the FBI was going to raid me? I don't think it's crazy of you at all. And let me say, too, somewhat in defense of some of the local FBI guys, as I understand the way they approach this, of course, the order comes down from on high. Right. You will go after these folks. But as far as handling each individual defendant, what ha happened in Paul's case is dramatically different from what happened in one of the co-defendants who happens to live in my home state of Mississippi, Coleman Boyd. The local FBI there, maybe they knew him. I don't quite know. They call him. They told him that they would like to pick him up. He volunteers to come in uh, on his own. They say, don't come this afternoon, come tomorrow morning. He comes the next morning, treated very gently. In fact, because he had to wait around for the judge, the FBI guy on his own goes out and buys Coleman lunch. Okay. So there are some of them that treat these guys civilly. But, but, but no, no, no. Why not say, come and get me? Like, let's get all the cameras here. Yeah. Let's get the sheriff here. Let's. I, I want to turn this into a circus. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, make it, make it, like, make it, make it a fight of the first crime. What do you mean, like, civilly turn yourself in? I mean, I don't know. I, that, that's just my thoughts. Yeah, that's, that's not you, you and Buddy. They make their own. What's that? They, they make a circus of it all by themselves. They don't need my. Yeah, own. really. They, <laughs> so I, I, they do it just fine. Yeah. So from, but I tell you, on the, on the sheriff's department, yeah. go ahead, Knock. I have a comment on that because I've talked to my county representative who's a good, strong pro-lifer, uh, a good Republican guy, uh, the chairman of the Republican Party here in Newton County. And, uh, you know, I, we just had a, an election and we elected a sheriff and he stood right over here about 10 feet to my left uh, before the election. And I asked him this question and maybe my prophet didn't know it. I said, so if a federal entity law enforcement comes to arrest me in my home, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. Or someone, you know, someone in your county. And it was, it was rhetorical, I thought. <laughs> so, but he told me, he said, look, a lot of times they don't even check with the sheriff. 
Yeah. And so that was the first thing I asked these guys when yeah. we started rolling to Nashville. I had a nice hour long ride with them yeah. uh, between here and Nashville. I said, so, you know, did you talk to my share? Did, did y'all work this out with them? Cause I mean, I'm a citizen of Hickman County. I'm a citizen of Tennessee. And do you realize they didn't tell my wife where I was going? And for six hours, not my wife, not my family, not my coworkers, not my county sheriff, not my state representatives, nobody in the state of Tennessee knew where I was or what happened to me. Lawyer? Lawyer didn't know? I, I no. didn't have a lawyer. I don't care. I told them. They, they asked if I had a lawyer. I'm like, yeah, I carry one of those around in my shirt pocket. Which, you know what I look like? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have a lawyer on hand. I do now, thank, thank the Lord, but you know, I didn't then. Wow. Um, so I think that's one of the key things we can do. One of the things that I, I'm hopeful will come out of some of this when Lord willing, he resolves it all is some, some legislation that could come out. You know, if you got a federal law, they, they want to, they want to indict somebody. They want to go to somebody. Why can't they go to a Tennessee law enforcement to yeah. affect? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Why does it need to be a federal agency and a federal army? If you think about it, we're, we're losing an armed war right now, mm. and they're outgunning me four to one on that day. Mark Huck, 20 to one or something on the day they raided him. Mm. Right. Because right. if they actually went to war, the, the odds would be completely in the opposite direction, right? Mm. And so literally they are, they are cherry-picking their battles and, and going after, you know, peaceful. Okay. And, and political distance at large. Yeah. yeah. We, we got to let you guys go. And Pastor Toby has to run too. I just want to know real quick, you guys, what can we be doing as we're watching you guys go through the battle and the fight? How can we flank you? How, how do we make a big deal of this from, from both sides, one from your side, Paul, and then also from the legal side, whatever we can do, Steve, help us think through this and be strategic in how we can respond. I know sharing everything on social media is huge. Any other thing we can be doing? Yeah, I, I got a gifts and go pro life dad out there slash pro life dad. If, if your folks, if you want to help circulate that pro life uh, dad, pro life dad okay. on gifts and go slash pro life dad. Uh, and, and like Steve said, we're going to, I, Lord willing, when this, this criminal aspect is over, we're going to go. This is not, I didn't ask for this battle. I didn't, I, I tried to avoid it, but they threw the punch. They brought me into the fight. And there's some things that obviously need to change in our culture, in our country. Mm -hmm. And uh, and now that we're enlisted, uh, you know, we're going to go for it. So, mm -hmm. and let me also say, keeping the word out there is absolutely huge. Um, I was just speaking uh, moments ago with another pro-life lawyer from uh, Iowa who's willing to come in and represent one of these defendants. We need uh, pro-life folks to stand up and help represent these other defendants as well. Okay. Uh, this is a major battle in front of us just on the legal front, but the PR side is probably even bigger, really, because so many people don't even know about it. Even people that follow news like ours, they yeah. just don't know what's happening. Mm. Wow. All right. Hey, you guys are more, more than welcome to come back and tell us how the case yeah. is turning and updates. You guys you. have Thank a home you. here to do that. Yeah. We appreciate you guys yeah. staying in the fight. Yeah, if you're single, Thank get you married. Much. If you're married, have you some kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until tomorrow, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politic. The season of Augustine and the season of Cassiodorus were very different moments in a crucial transformation that occurred in the history of the Western liberal arts. All right, so just stay like this. How, how am I doing here? So, yeah, you don't like you don't like this, huh?
does a Christian education look like when non-Christians are the ones who control the institutions of learning? This is a question that confronted Bishop Augustine of Hippo in North Africa in the 5th century AD. Augustine lived at the twilight of the Roman Empire. He himself had been trained with the best learning that Rome at that time had to offer. He himself actually came through the ranks and taught rhetoric in some of the best schools. And it was then, after he had come of age, that he converted to Christianity, but he wanted to continue the project of education, but this time for Christians. And so he had to confront the question, what does a Christian education look like when the unbelievers control the field? when they control the institutions, when the whole ap apparatus and curriculum of learning emerge from a pagan environment. And so Augustine wondered, what is it that Christians should jettison? What is it that Christians can embrace? What is it that Christians can adopt, but in modified form? These are the questions that Augustine confronted when he sought to educate Christians in an environment when unbelievers dominated the field. A century later, we see a man in the south of Italy named Cassiodorus who faced a very different educational landscape. He had to ask what did a Christian education look like in an environment where unbelievers had abandoned the project of education altogether. The infrastructure of learning had entirely eroded. If education was to proceed at all, it had to proceed on the foundation of Christianity. The Christians had to be the ones preserving education. What does a Christian education look like when Christians are the ones forming the institutions, when Christians are the ones organizing the curriculum? Well, these two seasons in the history of education, the season of Augustine and the season of Cassiodorus, just 100 years apart, were very different moments in a crucial transformation that occurred in the history of the Western liberal arts. We're gonna be studying this story. We're going to be going back to the sources. We're going to go back to Augustine. We're gonna go back to Cassiodorus. We're gonna ask ourselves, which of their predicaments most resembles our own? Which can we learn from Augustine's period? What can we learn from Cassiodorus's period? As we confront these questions, we're gonna engage these sources, and we invite you to join us here at New St. Andrews College.